What I'd like to do is do something different this morning with with this sermon, and that is I want to read the uh, introduction first, and then I'll read the scripture. Paul gave to Timothy a simple hymn or spiritual song which expressed a powerful truth in six statements. The hymn contains the confessedly great and wondrous revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. And this is the writing of Joel Gregory, I'm sorry. The hymn contains the confessedly great and wondrous revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation begins in heaven, descends to earth, and returns to glory to heaven. The believer through the or its proclamation must hold up and support these truths in this generation. And you'll you'll see this introduction unfolding as we read the scripture. And as we share with you this morning, I believe what the Lord has laid upon our hearts. I'd like to begin with the 14th and 15th and, 15 and 16th chapter of the book of First Timothy, the third, I'm sorry, the 14th and 16th verses of the third chapter of First Timothy. I want to read it with the Amplified, and uh, I did not know till today, Brother Mark, which is running the video, he showed me where there's several writings of the Amplified, so it might be a little bit different on the screen, but I want to read it here. I hope to come to you. This is Paul writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. I hope to come to you before long, but I am writing these instructions to you in case I am delayed so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in the uh, household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. I could not help but look at that particular verse and be amazed at uh, how that this pillar and foundation rests upon truth. Truth is hard to come by today. David Jeremiah, Dr. David Jeremiah says, as a worldwide postmodernism is skeptical of historical and sweeping of traditional truth. It says truth is defined by social and historical context. Therefore, what was true yesterday may no longer be true today. This is what some people believe, believe it or not. Christians can be infected by postmodernism without realizing it. They can become skeptical of the Bible as a source of eternal truth. They can question whether one set of values, morals, and doctrines can be The same for every generation. My wife was talking with a young man recently and he was talking about how that he uh, had his own truths. He believed what he wanted to believe. And that's where millions of people are today. They have their own truths. 
Moses, when he instructed, when instructing rather parents about raising their children, took no such view. The instructions contained in God's covenant were to be permanently incorporated into the lives of families in Israel generation after generation. That's the reason we need the word of God. That's the reason we need the scripture. Because if we try to build this foundation on any other thing, it will certainly crumble. There is one truth, and that is found in God's word. And if your and my foundations, whether it's our family, whether it's our our, our, our nation or whatever it might be, if it's not rooted and grounded in that truth, then again, we're building on sand and it will fall. Our lives crumble and fall. Dr. J. David Jeremiah goes on to say, the instructions contained in God's covenant were to be permanently incorporated into the lives of families in Israel generation after generation. Time may change, he says, but God never changes. Amen? God's word, his will remain the same. So here Paul is writing to Timothy about these truths. And uh, it is amazing how that he puts forth the revelation that God has revealed to him. And I'll go back again, and I want to read it. I hope to come to you, he says, but I'm writing these instructions in case I'm delayed, that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. So if the church fails to reveal truth today, there is no truth. And that puts a tremendous responsibility on you and I as believers. The church. Because if, 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 if we don't follow God, we don't know God's truth, how are we going to reveal God's truth to someone else? To the world, to our neighbors, to the community. Therefore, there's a tremendous responsibility that we know the truth. And the only way we know the truth is by, of course, reading the scripture, hearing messages preached and messages taught, discussing it, discussing the word of God. And great, we confess, listen to this as he goes on, and great, we confess, is the mystery, the hidden truth of godliness He, Christ Jesus, who was revealed in human flesh. Now, here we go. Here's six of them. Follow me. Who was revealed in human flesh, was justified and vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up to glory. That's a wow. Powerful truths. And as reading, I thought to myself, I'll never finish this this morning. And that's the reason I want to allow it to be a series. Notice Jesus was manifested in the spirit, 
in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and was taken up to glory. That is the gospel. Paul here reveals the very heart of the gospel. And it is powerful. It is a, a, a revelation of what God wants the church to know and wants you and I to know. We don't need to hear another message. We don't need to hear from a man. We need to hear from God. And if we don't hear from God this morning, we'll walk out those doors the same way that we came. And so many people, they read the scripture, they hear the message, but they are never changed because they don't allow the Holy Spirit to reveal that word to them and change their lives. I was on the way to church this morning, coming in early, and I was thinking about examples of revelation. Revelation has a way. Now, it doesn't have to be emotionalism. It doesn't, we don't have to be emotional. But revelation has a way of touching our emotions. Isaiah was in, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, And the year Uzziah died. Uzziah was the king of Judah. He died. He was close, Isaiah was, to this king. And so he was really moved by the death of this king. And so where did he go? He went to the temple, to the house. He went to church. And he said, the year that you, Isaiah, died, I was in the spirit. And I saw the Lord high and lifted up. That was somewhat about what was going on this morning during worship. And he said, woe is me. You see, when we have a revelation of God, it shows us who we are. How long has it been since I've cried out, you've cried out, woe is me. And God had to cleanse him. He had to cleanse his lips. We need a cleansing. Another example of a revelation is, 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 is David. David committed sin, the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. And all of us, or most of us, if not all of us, know the story. How that there was a child out of this act. And the child was born and grew and then one day it became ill and sick. The Bible says that David was fasting and praying. Death is not easy, folks. Death is hard. There's not a one of us that at times that we have not been touched by death. Whether it's Isaiah or Uzziah and he's having problems dealing with it going to the temple, or whether it's David when his, when his child is lying sick about to die. So he goes and he fasts and he prays. And the child dies. 
And the servants, David's servants, they hated to go tell David because he was in such a strait over the sickness. What's going to happen now at his death? And so they go finally and tell David, your son is dead. What's going to be David's reaction? David's reaction was this. The Bible said he arose. He washed himself. He changed clothes. He anointed himself. And he went to the house. He went to church and worshiped. I could not help, the day my, as, as many of you know, the day my mother died was on Sunday. We, she stayed with Carol and myself and uh, we started to leave and we were leaving her with Neil or her and Neil there at the house. And, and when we started to leave, mother came out into the living room where we were and she had a big smile on her face and And she reached out and she hugged me and Carol and she said, the day is going to be a good day. And while we were at church, we heard the news. Mama had had a heart attack and she was dead. That's not easy. For none of us. The problem that we have as humans is that we try to deal with life with our own strength, our own abilities. We need to hear God speak to us. If ever there was a time that we need to hear God speak to us and reveal His Son to us, it's the day in which we live. David got up, washed himself, anointed himself, Changed his clothes, went to the church and worshiped God, and the servants could not believe how he reacted to death. But he revealed how he how he handled it. He said, "You know, I got to thinking. My son can't come back to me. He's dead, but I can go to him. That's a revelation." And when we try to handle death and sickness and trouble and all the stuff that goes on in this life, when we try to handle it, whether we're young and we're in school or college or whether we just got married or wherever we are and I walk with God, if we don't have a revelation from God, we can't handle life. I was thinking about this and this great revelation that we certainly need. And I I thought to myself, what does a revelation do for us? A revelation from God gives us security. Think about that. A revelation from God provides for the saint of God. Security. I tell husbands, you know, there's two things that everyone, that everyone, every woman has to have. They must have two things. You said, I got a wife. She demands more than two things in my life. I'll tell you that. You want to make your wife happy? 
Provide love. And tell her and show her. She's got to have love. The second thing is security. And you know what gives security to a wife? It's not cars. It's not things. It's not a new wardrobe. It's not a new house. What gives that wife security is trustworthiness. Truth. I don't care where you go. You've got to have truth. And if we live a life that's deceptive, if we don't live a life that's truthful, we don't have security. When we allow God to speak that truth to us, when we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal that truth to us, there's something about it that gives us hope. The world's lost hope. We don't need to hear from another preacher a message. We don't need to hear from another politician. We don't need to hear from man. We need to hear from God. Let me give you one more example of of revelation. Jesus lived for three and a half years, or he ministered rather, for three and a half years on this earth. He called him to himself, 12 disciples. He taught them, and over and over and over and over again, he told them all about truth. Let me say something before I get into this example. When Paul says it's amazing about the mystery of godliness, he wasn't talking about something that's hard to understand. He was talking about an unrevealed truth that in the Old Testament, an unrevealed truth that later or now has been revealed, and that's revealed in the New Testament, which is the Word of God. There's no mystery anymore. Jesus came. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Truth, that revelation. And Jesus told them all about it. He told his 12 disciples over and over again. And then when he died and he came back and he revealed himself to a few of the disciples and Thomas was not there. Thomas says, I don't believe. Listen to me. And a lot of times that's where we are. The preacher preaches and we struggle with that. We read the Bible and we struggle with that. We don't understand it. I don't understand this. I've got all kind of translations. I And I, I'm, I'm struggling to understand it. And those disciples that were with Jesus when he returned back, they, they told Thomas and Thomas said, I can't, I can't understand it. I don't believe it. That's why we call him the Doubting Thomas. And then there was a time when he met with the disciples. And guess who was present? Thomas. And he said, Thomas, take your finger and put it in my hand. Take your hand and put it into my side. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. It wasn't just the hand and the side. Yes, he needed to see that. But something happened in Thomas's life. He had a great 
revelation. And many of us are serving God if we're not careful. And and we go through the days and we go through the weeks and we read the Bible. But we need the revelation of God to speak to our hearts. That we can say like Thomas, my Lord and my God. God, reveal yourself to us. I, I, I felt so strong about this. I, I copied John Piper's six ways to get more revelation from the Word of God. It is, it is a great study. And I copied them and I put them on the Welcome Center, at the Welcome Center, on the Welcome Cabinet there. And Go by and get it. Brother Don, I understand all I need to know. No, we don't. A revelation is a wow moment. I was raised in Sampson County and the pastor of this church, Pastor Zeb Holder, came to hold a revival at Butler Hill Church and he brought his oldest daughter with him when she was 12 years old. And so I, uh, Carol and I were like brothers and sisters, not boyfriend and girlfriend. We enjoyed, we enjoyed serving God. We served God. We went to church and, and, and we went to church and, and we went to church We went to church a lot. I mean, we went to church. We were at church almost every night of the week. Not just at our church. We traveled. We traveled all over the eastern part and sometimes the western part of the state. And we were like brothers and sisters. She was 12 and I was 12, 13, 14, 15. I was 16. Then I started dating other girls and then I graduated in 1959, which seems like, and it is many years ago. When I graduated, I moved here to Durham because I wanted to be with Pastor Holder. And Carol and I were still like brothers and sisters. And we were staying over on Holder Road. And Zeb Holder and Eloise Holder. Carol's mom and dad. And I, I lived with them. Because I was living. And I just, he mentored me. And I did everything I could to, to show him I loved him. And, and it was something. I, I told you those things before. But then one day I was sitting in the living room. And they have a really large pitch, what we call picture window. You remember those? The old big picture window. And the bus drove up and Carol got off the bus. And that was a V8 moment for me. (laughs) That was a wow moment. And she went from being my sister. And I had a great revelation. A great revelation. There's something about a revelation, a revealing, a, 
a, a, a wow moment in our lives. And I don't think we have to stretch those out so far. I think, I think we can just, just really enjoy these great revelation moments. I, I, I was studying this and Carol and I were talking. She said, I want you to read this. And she showed me Psalms chapter 19 verses 7 through uh, nine with the message. And listen to what, listen to what David or the writer, I don't know who wrote this. Listen to what the writer says here. He says, the revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. If you go hear a sermon, if you just go to church, if you just sing a song, You may not be pulled together. There may not be unity. But when God reveals himself to us, it pulls us together and we become one. The revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. People don't know which way to go anymore. They don't know where to turn to anymore. They don't know what's right anymore. They don't know whether to vote Republican or Democrat. They don't know whether to be a liberal or a conservative. They don't know what church. You know, we're just running around and we don't know. And people are confused and they don't have security. And that's the reason that people live like they live. They're trying to drown their hopelessness with alcohol. And drugs. And they're running here and there doing things trying to satisfy the flesh. And they don't know. You know this is a sad commentary. People don't know. And they think the man or the woman or the person that goes in the White House is going to solve all the problems. It ain't. It won't. They think if they trade cars and buy a new house or marry someone else or divorce this one and go to someone else or do all the things it want. We think if we'll go to this church or that church and we do what we call church hopping and we think, oh, I'll be satisfied here. I'll be satisfied. The only thing that will satisfy us is a revelation of Jesus Christ. A revelation. I got to go again. The revelation of God is whole and pulls lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. P, you know, happiness is a, is a fleshly thing. Joy is, is a choice. How long has it been since you've reveled in joy? How long has it been since you've just, no matter the circumstances, no matter, it shows the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. If it gets complicated with you folks, If the word of God, if serving God, if going to church and all of this, if it gets complicated, something's wrong. 
We need the Holy Spirit of God to move in our lives. Then going to church, reading the Bible, serving God. It's a joyful thing. It's, it's an exciting thing. God's reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. Eugene Peterson knows how to say it sometimes. With a lifetime guarantee. We spend so much time with fake gold. You put it on and it'll tarnish your body. And all of those kind of things. But when you get the real thing. When you get the real thing. It makes a difference in your life. The soldier was going around everywhere and he would look at papers and he'd look at it and he'd say, that's not it. And he'd lay it back down. He'd go in an office and paper on the desk and he'd look at the paper and he said, that's not it. He'd go in his bunker and soldiers there and he'd pick up a piece of paper and said that's not it well they thought he was crazy and he kept on and kept on and finally they released him and gave him the papers and he said that's it you know what it's you know what's it God's word you can read anything you want to and try any way you want to it just Want happen the revelation of God. Now I got to finish this Psalms. The decisions of God are accurate down to the nth degree. I'm talking about folks, the revelation of God. God wants to reveal His truth to us. And that's what Matt was talking about and Larry was talking about and Joy was talking about. And that's what we try to say. Hey, you want to know the truth, then know God's word. Let him reveal it to you. God, give us a revelation this morning. Don't let me just hear the preacher talk. Don't let me just sit down and read the Bible. But God, give me a revelation this morning. Ephesians, and I'm going to close with this as Sister Judy comes. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Read it with me. Here we go. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, By which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Knowing the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. As it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. And partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. Given to me by the effective Working of his power. That's the only way we know the mystery. That's the only way we can have the revelation. That's the only way that it can change our lives. 
It's through and by the Spirit of God, knowing the power of God. Paul says in verse 8, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom, the many-sided wisdom of God, might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. There are two words in the Greek that speak of the word of God. Listen at me. You have the logos, L-O-G-O-S. If you read anywhere in the New Testament, and that comes up, God's word. Speaking of God's word. It's either logos or rhema. R-H-E-M-A. Logos or rhema. Logos is the written word. That's what you read. When you open the Bible, it's logos. Rhema is the spoken word. The problem with that is that some years ago when the Charismatics and Pentecostals, they began to elevate the spoken word over the written word. And that ought not to be done. There's nothing that takes the place of the written word. And when we speak of prophecy, when we have tongues and interpretation of tongues and, and the word of God, and it should be thus saith the Lord. But you and I are human. Amen. And sometimes when the word goes forth, maybe we miss it. It's like the lady that got up and prophesied and she said, thus saith the Lord. As Moses was instructed to build the ark, he did it in obedience to him. She sat down. The guy next to her said, hey, that was not, that was not Moses. That was Noah. She stood back up and she said, thus saith the Lord, I made a mistake. It was not, it was not Moses. It was Noah. See, we make mistakes. And when the word of God goes forth. When prophecy goes forth. That's the reason Paul instructed the church at Corinth. And the church. To judge it. Now you don't judge God's word. You don't judge either the rhema or the logos or logos. You don't judge it. But you judge what man does. And man can make a mistake. Doesn't mean the person is bad, evil or anything. It just means he or she blew it. So you have the logos and the rhema. And when you read the Logos, when you read the the writing, the scripture, the Bible, it's powerful. It's wonderful. It's great. But when you read it and the Holy Spirit reveals it to you, 
and it jumps off the page into your spirit, it changes your life. Not that the written word won't change our lives, but the rhema is for a specific time under specific circumstances. And it is powerful. Stop trying to live for God yourself. Stop trying to get rid of the habits and the things that you do and that's displeasing to God. Don't don't do that. You can't do it. You're not a match for habits. You're not a match for sin. You're not a match for the devil. It takes, listen to this. It takes the word of God. Revealed by the Spirit of God to change your life. And I would, I would encourage you, listen to me. I would encourage you to read it prayerfully. I, I, I left those on the outside. And I don't want to take up no more time, but I won't. Listen. As John... Piper said here, the Bible gives reason. He says here, it has a main point. And then to truly understand the passage, we must figure out how the reason, the argument supports the main point. And then let it affect your emotions. Let it move you. Let it change your life. And when we go through these steps, these six steps that the Apostle Paul lays out, here's the young Timothy. Grasp these with an understanding by the Spirit. It will change your life. Let church go and change your life. Let reading your Bible change your life. Let prayer life change you. 